Welcome to the London Horror Movie Club. I'm horror writer Lauren Jane Barnett. And I'm Chris Sapkowski, Lauren's older brother, and I've been watching horror movies since I was eight. Join us as we talk about the wild, weird, and wonderful horror films set in England's eerie capital. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This January, Chris and I have been watching Frenzy. It's Alfred Hitchcock's most violent movie, and it was his return to filming in London after 20 years. But it's surprisingly little known, and it wasn't actually very popular when it came out. It's the story of bartender Dick Blaney, who, after a run of bad luck, is framed for a series of brutal murders known as the necktie killings. All right, Chris, what did you think? I did not like it. <laughs> I, so I, I think I mentioned in, in a previous you know episode that we had before when we picked it, I've never seen, minus Psycho, actually the remake of Psycho, which was shot frame by frame, but I've never seen an Alfred Hitchcock movie beginning to end. And this was not a sales pitch to go watch more for me. I thought it was boring. I did not like, I mean, I just, it was what, like two hours. So like there were three killings. So I guess I think I was, I was looking more of like a thriller horror type. And that was supposed to be more of like a thriller suspense. And so I think my mindset was wrong. I think it's totally fair to say that because obviously for, for people who know Hitchcock's career, his whole thing was tension, the the stressful and the like, you didn't quite see anything. And then in the 70s, they had this huge change in the laws here or in Britain anyway, um, about what you could show on film. And so Hitchcock came and was like all the stuff that he made a living not showing, he showed. And quite a lot of people like you thought, well, there's a reason he doesn't show it. He can't do this. This is... Terrible. It was very odd. So I, so, okay. So previously we had the Night of the Demon and I, and it was a, you know, the black and white, that really early film. And I was like, but it, it, it held up to me. The story held up to me. This movie just like, was like, it's the seventies and it just hits you in the face over and over and over again. And that's fine. But it was like, I it just, I, I couldn't get into the movie. Like mm-hmm. it was never the opening scene has, you know, the flying in through down the River Thames and it like goes through um, the Tower Bridge. Yeah. And then they like go to like politicians speaking about cleaning up the river and how London's dirty. And and then all of a sudden, oh, there's a necktie killing. But then like nobody's real, like people are surprised, but they're like, oh, it's just one of those necktie killings. <laughs> and, you know, like after they find out who it is. So like I would assume... And maybe the London in the seventies was like this, that people were floating up on the river all the time, but like, that would be a bigger shock. Like no one was really surprised. I will agree. I don't think it's Hitchcock's best film. In fact, I don't, I think it's his worst. So I'm sorry. It's your introduction to him. But the thing I like about this film is that because the the it's sort of like a joke on London. London was so known for having these weird obsession with um uh broadsheets. Uh, what is it called back home? Like People Magazine and stuff. Um, okay, yeah, tabloids. So like the tabloids. Yep. The tabloids. Thank you. And so it has throughout the film, there's these jokes like, you you know, you, you the woman's dead body comes after they're talking about cleaning out the Thames, a dead body is mm-hmm. floating in through the trashy Thames. Right. And they're all like, ooh, it's another one. Is that my school tie? What's going on? They're all busybodies. I kind of liked that because it was really funny to me. But I guess it doesn't okay. make sense outside of well, that. That makes more sense now to me because there was a scene in later on in the movie after... Dick quits and he's like 
kind of floating from pub to pub and he's in another pub when they're talking about how this serial or how this killer has struck again and that they're two like um mps like sitting in a pub and like i kind of like it because it it, it it does well for the tourist trade yeah. you know like and they were kind of saying well it's no jack the ripper like and there's always like little comments so now i guess that part makes sense to me why those look like the school tie thing like is that my school tie or is that you know like yeah let's not clean this up or he's joking with the barmaid like you better be careful or you could be next and but they're like oh yeah isn't that the guy who rapes and then kills him <laughs> and i'm like what what like, who's doing this and it's a little heartless i will totally give you that but yeah i think the trouble though is if you if you can't enjoy the movie if you don't know that that doesn't say good things about the movie does it because if you need to like read a book to like a movie that's probably not a great movie is it no i mean i i definitely think you want to develop characters and develop the storyline so that your audience understands the jokes or it, you can have inside jokes at things but like that's pretty inside joke like if that's like the way that i mean i yeah. i guess or maybe i'm just not quick enough on my feet to like realize that like they're talking about how the river thames is filthy we're going to clean it up in this and then here's this dead body coming in yeah that's funny. i didn't put two and two together there uh, so the one thing, I don't think it's a very scary film. Okay. It's not a scary film at all. Not a scary film. Uh, no. But the one thing I liked is it has those little jokes, those little bits of humor. I was going to ask you if you did find any of the little moments funny. I did. So there's a scene where the chief inspector has the other cons or like his detective come around for dinner and his wife is like the stay at home the housemaker wife and she's cooking dinner and she wants to make him a margarita. Like the guy, and he was like, like no way that this detective was like, yeah, I want tequila and a margarita. Like, he was just like, very like, that was funny to me because they tried to put some humor in there. Like I thought that part was funny. This like the, that she was like, Oh, well, you'll have to have him come around for dinner after they realized they got the wrong man. And then like, and I can make this, this, and this. And all that the, the chief inspector character could say to his wife was like, well, after prison food, I'm sure he'll, it'll be a change even if you say it'd be a good change it would just it'll be a change so yeah i mean like i definitely there was some some humor parts in there everything just seemed it seemed like a like very much like watching a play that i did not know what i was so i guess the age of the film kind of that at this time it kind of took away from me liking the storyline maybe the main guy who is the uh killer Oh, Bob uh, Rusk. Bob Rusk. He's Bob's your uncle. Like, <laughs> I laughed, you know, but like, I, 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 it was one of those movies, like, I guess I'm used to like thrillers where like I watch them now and like, okay, I'm like, who's this going to be? What's going to happen? And as soon as he's talking in the very beginning, I'm like, well, that's the guy. Yeah. So I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm waiting for more and more. And then it just wasn't there for me. I guess what I really want to know is, do you think there was a way to salvage this movie? If you went in there with like an editor and like cut away a lot of the time, could you save it? Or is it just doomed from the start? Oh man, smarter minds than me would have to have to do that. Cause I thinking about it, like, no, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I, the cast was fine to me. And actually I recognized different actors or actresses in the movie. Bernard Cribbins is plays Felix, the bar owner in the beginning, like the first bar, the Globe pub, yeah, I think. Yeah, the Globe. And like, I know him from Doctor Who, and he was like an older gentleman at that point. But like, I was like, I know him, and he's like a young man. So like, I know that they got like 
I mean, this wasn't like a B movie or this wasn't like an independent film where like they're just grabbing people that they can get. Like this was like a real movie, but like I just, I just yeah, I don't know how you would edit it to make it more thriller. I, and also you got to keep the tongue sticking out of everyone that's dead. <laughs> I, I can't take it. It made me laugh like you're laughing now. And like in a suspense movie or a thriller movie about serial killers, it felt more scary movie or like those movies that they make to make fun of the scary movies. Mm-hmm. That's when you see the tongue sticking out. Like everybody had like an atrocious, huge tongue sticking out the side of their mouth when they're dead. Like, I don't know if that's just to say like, hey, they're actually dead. So I would I would have I would cut that part out immediately because it just made it more humorous as opposed to like scary or suspenseful to me. That I will say, I think you're right. The the strong image I have is that the foot that there's three women are murdered in this, like he said, and and the first one uh, is in a chair, and you get this shot of her after she's dead, and she's sitting in the chair with this massive tongue sticking out, and then mm-hmm. it basically was like Alfred Hitchcock took a picture of that and then made every of the other women who were dead there was that exact shot, you know. He Anna loved Macy. that shot. Yep. Because yeah, Anna Macy is like she's supposedly died ages ago in an apartment. They shove her in a potato truck. The potato truck's going down the highway and like Bob Rusk realizes he's left evidence. So he's in there. He's rooting her around this entire time, driving, stopping, being rooted through potatoes, shoved in a potato truck. Her tongue is in the exact same position. Still out. It never moved. So he's been jostling her legs that are like poking around out so the drivers or the you know people that are looking can see. He's jostling her whole body around. But the face is still to the side with the tongue sticking out. Yep. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So these are the things that took away from the movie for me. <laughs> like, you have a man, you have a, a serial killer who rapes his victims and then murders them by strangulation. And I feel like, you know, even like the new CSIs and stuff, like they can, this more interesting there than it is in this movie because of the tongue it's more comical but i also understand that at the time this was new for like you were saying this was new for them to be able to show this type of stuff on film so when he goes to the marriage uh the matrimony office for dick's ex-wife who is the first i guess that's the first kill that you see him killing and they're trying to show the rape but like obviously you can't show rape nor should you show rape but like I think they could have done it differently. It was just like camera jousting around and like there's just chaos and then all of a sudden like teethy grin with a tongue sticking out and you're like, oh, she's dead now. It just seemed like he was trying to figure out how to do it. And maybe that's because it was new and we've had 50 years to I think you could almost do more with less there. Where like you know, you didn't even have to show that scene. You could show where he was like says, Hey, you're the one, and she's like, Oh my god, you're you're him, and then you could just cut to it afterwards you don't need to show all that other stuff and it would just be just as suspenseful i totally agree and i think that there's a really good example of that later in the film so hitchcock was great at that kind of cutaway thing do you remember when um anna massey's character babs the the girlfriend with the red hair (laughs) yep she needs a place to stay because she gets kicked out by the guy who runs the pub. And Bob Rusk comes sort of by and is like, oh, you can stay at my place. I'm going away for the weekend anyway. And they, he walks her up to the apartment and then he opens the door and he says, you know, you're my kind of girl, which is what he said to, to the everybody. producer. And then oh, yes. the door closes. And this is this is my favorite scene in the whole film is the camera backs up like you stay focused in front. You don't see the way out. And it just backs down the stairs and outside and you just know she's dead. Yep. That was I better. That was the best. Yes, that was better because if you can't do a kill scene, 
because we've talked about this before, I love good kill scenes in horror movies. But if you can't do a scene that's either realistic or just outrageous, then that is better because now your mind does what you're what you want it to do. You know, like you'd see what's going on, but you, without seeing it, it made you it made you process that information. Which, yes, I agree that would that was definitely better. And there was some good things I could see why Hitchcock is liked or why people think he's great with different things that he does. I think he was probably ahead of his time in some, some aspects of filmmaking, but I'm not a filmmaker. I didn't go to film school. I just watch a lot of movies and it just wasn't <laughs> like it, it was very jumpy to me. It was very just certain angles. I was like, well, that's an interesting angle to do, but I, maybe he's trying to capture something else. So I wanted to ask you, like, you know, they mention um, Leicester square they are on the River Thames. They are in different pubs. But did you do you feel like that's a quintessential London movie? So absolutely yes. But okay. that comes with a huge asterisk of I think it's a Londoners London movie. The thing I I know gets said a lot is when people film in London, there's a huge pet peeve that you're you film totally unrealistically. You're running from Tower Bridge and that takes you to St. Paul's, that then you're out in the side. Just none of it makes sense. Hitchcock films all of the so the for anyone who hasn't seen it, the main bulk of the film is set around Covent Garden, the old vegetable market as it was in the 70s. And he actually films the pubs and the the apartments and stuff are actually within walking distance so that you walk in real time with the characters from one location to another. So it's actual London. And then you have those jokes that feel very London, like, this is the cleanest river ever. Here's a dead body floating in it. That's yep. such a London joke like of course and like like with the pubs that they're t you know they're taking the piss of the lady and be like oh you never know she'll he'll come after you and and she's like oh bugger that you know they're very yep. so it feels really london but it feels like london for if you know and love london i can't imagine if someone's never been it feels like a london movie what do right. you think as someone who's only visited there a handful of times it you know like the fly-in scene in the beginning makes it feel london because you're even in the 70s, without what it looks like now, because I was actually very shocked at like, wow, this is obviously a scene of London, in the, and I've been at this angle, basically, and the city doesn't look anything like this anymore. You know, like, it's just grown <laughs> up. But so you know you're in London, but like, once you get past that first scene, it could have been anywhere to me. It could have been New York City. It could have been Boston. It could have been, you know, you got your market, you got your you know, your pubs and your streets, but like that could be bars. I mean, I know it's English and they have their English accents and it's, you know, your, your bobbies are running around and doing stuff, but like, it just didn't feel, I knew it was in London, but it, to me, not living in London, not knowing that, you know, like I don't have that feel of like that snarky that comes along with living there where it's like, you know, clean river and there's bot, you know, stuff like that. Like where I wouldn't joke about Jack the Ripper. Yeah. You know, but like I could see where someone would be like, this is great, man. People come here and they ask about our serial killers. Like, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. No, I just was curious how you felt about that because yeah. I, you know, I, it definitely, it, it was like, hey, we're in London. And then I couldn't really tell that it was London anymore after that. See, th this is maybe, maybe the trouble here, honestly, is that I wrote a book about what <laughs> this was about. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
So I'm really invested in the location, <laughs> but right. I, I'm surprised you didn't recognize because like he, because he's a Londoner and because he grew up in London, his dad actually was a, was a vegetable seller at Covent Garden Market. So like he's going back to all these Londony places. So like there's a scene where Dick and his girlfriend have run off to a, a park to try and hide yep. from the police. And you see in a very tall hotel building to a Londoner, you go, that's Hyde Park. And that's the Hyde Park Hilton. I see that every day. But I guess that doesn't come across if you aren't I just, walking by I just, London every day. I just figured she was in an apartment building up top. And no I, way. I didn't. Yeah. Like it didn't. I mean, oh. I knew it was a park. They're obviously like, what do we do? We got to go tell the cops. I can't go tell the cops, blah, 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 back and forth. And then the guy runs out and he starts talking to them. And then they br- he brings them up. So you understand like, hey, you, you it follows along where you're like, okay. You know, this was the woman who was watching him. She thinks that he's the killer, but his friend's like, no, 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 dear. He's he's not. It's all misunderstanding. But I would have never put, oh, what? this is Hyde Park, and this is a building that everyone knows that's around Hyde Park. Because it's probably one of the taller buildings right next to Hyde Park, honestly. It is. It's it's much taller than most buildings near Hyde Park. Okay, I, I so got to know So maybe it's just then. lost on me. It's just lost on me then as, as a non-Londoner. But no, but that's the thing is he was Hitchcock was making it for Universal. This was a this was an American. I mean, one some of the criticisms about this film is that they made the script too American. They had to bring in someone to fix it because Hitchcock was too American. So like people were like people were using the wrong units. Um, there's a scene. I'm getting really boring now. Tell me if you think people will find this level of detail really annoying. But there's a scene where um, they, after having gone to the marital service and having murdered the ex-wife, the police come and talk to the assistant and they ask the assistant, you know, who, who was this guy who had just left, which it turns out to be Dick. But she gives him like the height, the dimensions and everything. And she gives him his weight in pounds. His weight in pounds. I mm-hmm. caught that when I watched it. Yeah, totally. I was not like, true. no way in the world that that woman would say, and about 152 pounds. I don't know what the conversion weight would be, but I know there's a stone in there somewhere. Yes. Because I've heard it and I've watched at least enough boxing over there to know that they call it, their weight is by stones and not by. Uh, yeah, it's stones and pounds. An- You're totally right. Another thing that I caught and it, and like this is what happens is when I stop losing interest in the movie and you know if I'm not as like enthralled with the movie I start picking at little things here and I'll like google while I'm watching. Okay. He's on the potato truck. They're driving. After that scene the the uh cop comes to the dinner at the chief inspector's house and he's like, "Yes, the the only time that the truck stopped was here on its way to here and no one's ever seen them. And I looked it up on the map and I'm like, that is nowhere near London. So like they have like a two and a half hour drive, but like you don't see any of that. And then how did he get back to London? So if he went all the way to, to wherever and I, and I was just trying to pull it up on my map here. And unfortunately I, it doesn't pull up to where I was looking, but I was like, wait a minute. Like there's just questions that now I have more questions. That have nothing to do with the movie, I know, but I'm like, wait a minute, you could have done that. They're they're taking potatoes two hours north, like for what reason? Yeah, that I have a huge problem with the potato scene. So the potato scene is funny to watch because you're watching this guy on a moving truck and he's digging through the potatoes. And the dead woman's foot keeps going in his face, and I, I right. thought that was hilarious. But it's totally pointless to the movie. You don't actually like me. Okay, he's looking for some evidence. 
But why a potato truck driving to the middle of nowhere? Like you said, it, why are they taking potatoes away from the market that sells potatoes to a farm? Isn't it supposed to be the other way around? <laughs> I'm just saying, these are the things that I keep looking at, and I'm like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why? Like you said, the scene was fine. It was, I actually did laugh. I laughed at the fact that after all of this, moving around, bumping around, he pulls off the side of the highway onto a curb, which would have jostled this huge truck around. She's still in the same spot, tongue sticking out, all that stuff. So, like, I'm laughing at that part, but then, I, yeah, like, why are you, I, it just didn't make sense. But there were little things, and maybe it's because it is Americanized England. Like, hey, he lived right above the pub that he worked in. I mean, he, they show him getting ready kind of yeah. in that first scene, and he, like, puts his tie on, and he walks down and turns a corner, like, <laughs> walks down six steps, turns a corner, and pulls him, gives himself a brandy or, or, or an ale. And I'm like, all right, well, that doesn't, you know, that that's very London. You live above the pub. Like, I, I get it, but it's just, there was just enough that I was, there was enough that didn't get grab my attention in this movie. Fair enough. It makes sense. It's not a great movie, but I do think it has one of the best last lines of any horror movie of that time. So nowadays we're really good with the script. We're very quippy. But if you remember from Night of the Demon last time, the movie kind of ends in a stereotypical like, oh, everything's going to be okay yep. from now on. Hurrah. The last line of this film, they, the police officer, who, by the way, is Lieutenant Oxford. How ridiculous is that? Is that, oh, he must be a British police <laughs> officer. Uh, sorry. <laughs> the officer has snuck into Bob Ross's apartment. He sees Dick Blaney, who's come in to try and kill Bob to get revenge. But instead, there's another dead woman with her tongue out on the bed. Dick thinks he's going to get arrested, but the officer knows that Bob Rusk is the one who's done it. So he's, he's asked him to be quiet. They hear Rusk coming in. He yep. comes in. He sees the cop. He realizes he's caught. And then the cop says, Mr. Rusk, you're not wearing your tie. And that's the last line of the movie. And I think it's so great. I mean, is it just me? I, you know what? I didn't catch it. <laughs> or I mean, I, I remember it, but it, it didn't it didn't strike me then. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I mean, because he knew, like, at that point, like you said, he knew. So he knew what he was doing. I didn't realize that that was, like, one of those one-liners like Arnold Schwarzenegger used to be. Like, he'd throw a, you know, a sword through somebody and be like, stick around. Or, yeah. you know, like, something like that. So that would be, like, that, like, one line, like, we got our man. Like, we're, you're not wearing your tie. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like, and so, yeah, yeah no, I, I didn't catch that. I mean, there were, there were redeemable qualities in the movie i just don't know if like i like to always think could you remake this movie and it be any good and i think people would stay away from it <laughs> that's, I, fair. that's totally fair maybe I not. Think it's, it is it is really the, the thing is it is really boring like it is a it is too <laughs> long the crazy there was thing two hours me. of no kills <laughs> like or that, no, no. Kill. I say that there was three there were what three kills in the movie like I, I see, I like the scene where he goes to Bob's house and he sees what he thinks is Bob sleeping, and starts to hit Bob without uncovering from the sheets, and then realizing it's like so. That scene, I'm like, all right, that's cool. Like, how is he going to get out of this? But then the you know the police officer comes in at the same time. So I thought that scene was really good, and I like the fact that Bob's bringing down the big trunk, so you can you kind of hear it. Although it did, I mean, again, like I'm already in that mindset of like this movie hasn't like grasped me like, and I'm like, oh, this is you know, I just pictured like two guys like 
banging something against the wall to make that sound. <laughs> I'm like, I can't imagine that that sounds like the drug. So like, I'm just picking it apart at this point. But yeah, I mean, that, that scene, I mean, him being like hitting the wrong person and now he gets caught with a weapon in his hand, this dead person on the bed. It can't go well, only to find out like, oh, there's more to the story and you know, the cop knows and all that. So there was good stuff. It's just, there was things that took away from it for me. So I wouldn't market, I wouldn't recommend the movie to any of my friends. And I have to be honest, I would only recommend it to people who really were into the London horror thing. I don't think as a horror movie, it's not the one I'd recommend from Hitchcock. If you do want to see a decent Hitchcock movie, well, actually, if you're thinking more horror-y, Rear Window is really good. But if just Thriller, Vertigo, you and I both are afraid of heights, and that does that very well and really disturbingly. (laughs) So I've heard of both of these. Those are both movies that are more widely acclaimed of Hitchcock's are they not like Vertigo they're much better yeah yeah so I'm not giving up on Hitchcock by any means it's just this movie just wasn't as a first Hitchcock film for me that I might have chosen wrong <laughs> is, is all I'm saying so yeah. I'm glad I watched it I mean I can say hey I've seen it there was you know it was it's always interesting to see someone put a story on film and you know, I like I can't do it. So I mean, it's it, that part is interesting to me, and I'm I'm happy to watch it. If we weren't discussing the movie, or at least like going to talk about it here on the podcast, I don't know if I would have finished it. I honestly would. I mean, I've, I'm looking at like IMDb and stuff when I like look at the movies, and I'm like, this has like a, almost an eight rating, and like people like really like it. So after I watched the movie, I was sitting there, and I was like, what did I miss? Like I was thinking there was something wrong in my head because I'm like. Why am I not liking this movie? But it might have been because I was expecting to be scared or have something scary happen. And it really wasn't a horror movie. It was more of a thriller movie. And maybe if I'd gone in not thinking it was a horror movie, I would have enjoyed it more. Maybe I was waiting for something crazy to happen. That's really interesting because I was always surprised. So um, this is the only one of Hitchcock's films that got an R rating in the U.S. And it got an X rating here in Britain. For those who do not know, the X rating in Britain was originally designed for horror movies. Uh, That's why one of the first Hammer horror movies is Crater Mass Experiment with a big X is because they wanted to tout that they had this horror X rating. And so it was supposed to be this like really intense, really scary film. Do you think that's maybe why it wasn't popular? Do you think maybe people at the time went in expecting something that it wasn't? Maybe. Very well could be. I mean, from what I remember, so if I'm right, Psycho was done before this movie, correct? Yeah, I think almost 10 years. Okay, And I think that movie was more of a, like, you gasp while you're watching it, like, even even adult, I mean, like the shower curtain scene, just like someone behind ripping a shower, like that's that's horrifying. <laughs> even if it is in the fifty, you know, like even today, like you know, it's just like you're in the shower, you can't hear anything, and then like this person comes in, is like ah, and it's that yeah, this movie just didn't do it. Like I think if I walked into the movie theater thinking like this is an R-rated thriller, I would have left me like eh, like. <laughs> But then again, I wasn't watching, you know, I didn't go to the theater in 1973 where I hadn't seen this stuff. Like, I'm also desensitized because, you know, as we discussed with Tony, like, I've seen movies where just crazy stuff happens. So, like, it takes a lot to, like, for something I haven't seen before. And so, you know, maybe maybe part of it is you're expecting so much. And then part of it is I've seen a lot. You've Mm -hmm. seen, you know, you were talking about the, was he talking about those video nasties? Like, you know, I've seen just crazy stuff where you're like that's gross or that's awesome and then in this movie is like 
Okay. Well, she screamed. He put a tie on her neck, and then she's dead with her tongue out. <laughs> the tongue bothered me, if you can't tell. Like, it just it didn't make any sense. It was very cartoonish. It is a, it's a really odd image. Actually, it's actually a really strange one as well, because he seems to have this tendency to like a certain face look as well like because babs basically looks just like the ex-wife but with red hair and then the yep. lady in the bed afterwards same haircut same yep. everything it was just that one shot must be obsessed with it and janet lee and in psycho the the woman same has look. the same short haircut yep. he's got this thing. i wonder what his i wonder what his mother looked like Ooh, not to get all freudish but like <laughs> you know they definitely all have that june cleaver look they do. And he's known for doing the mother thing. Like Psycho obviously has the mom, but he sh- he shoehorned Bob Rusk introducing his mom for two and a half seconds into this film. How unnecessary oh, he did. is that? <laughs> well, wait a minute. He's something. There's something with him and mothers then. Like now I got to watch more movies and try to uncover this. I don't know. Yeah. It was it's crazy, isn't it? It's just, I don't know. I don't know what to think sometimes with him because he, I, when I watched this movie, I've watched a lot of Hitchcock and, and I didn't okay. watch Frenzy until later. And when I watched it, it felt like he was trying to work out some sort of weird fantasy, if you know what I mean. Like he spent that scene where Bob Rusk is killing the, the he, he rapes her, as you say, and then kills her. Yep. It takes forever. It, yep. it is the longest. I don't think it's literally the longest in, in horror film, but it is one of the longest in horror film history. And it takes forever. And you sort of were like, is he just wishing he's killing these women and needs to like blow by blow play it? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, that, that scene, that's the one in the matrimony office, right? Yeah. And it was it was just so odd to me where if he would have done the back away, the, like the stairs, the back away out of the office and like goes through that door. And because that door had like the silhouettes, it was that the frosted window, like the curvy window. So if it had like just the silhouettes of somebody like strangling somebody or on top of somebody and backing away, then I think it would have been better because it, yeah, it was a long scene and it would go from legs to screaming and then to like a picture on the wall that's been turned mm-hmm. a little bit. So yeah, I mean, it was definitely noticeable. I mean, that's why I had said that before. I just was like, it was frantic. And I understand that maybe that's trying to say like, hey, this is he's raping and murdering this person. It is frantic. So maybe he's just trying to like show that. But I think you could do more with that for sure. Yeah. But maybe he was trying to work it out. Maybe he was experimenting on how like what would look good. Yeah, that's true. It's funny. I always think because it's kind of the end of his career. I always kind of think, oh, maybe he's just t- tired or a bit you know, sick of it. He's like, oh, I don't know. Just do shots of this. It'll be fine. But maybe you're right. Maybe he was still trying out something new because that was, he always tried to experiment with film. And that's, I can, I can get behind that experiment because, you know, you never know when something's going to hit and it's going to be like, this was great. And now it's used all the time. So like, that's fine. You know, it's funny as I was talking about how when a movie doesn't grasp me like that, I will, uh, you know, start not nitpicking, but I start to pick up other things. So in the matrimony office where you were talking about how she's like, and he's about 150 pounds, the police officer comes out with a handbag and he's got it with gloves or a handkerchief and he's holding her purse with two fingers on the straps and he hands it over very carefully because he's like, hey, this was the person, there's no money in here and he doesn't want to disturb the evidence and he hands it to the inspector who then puts it on the table and then with no gloves reaches in and starts looking around <laughs> for the money. And I was like, maybe I've watched too much CSI, but I'm pretty sure that that evidence is now thrown away. <laughs> I, I showed this film to a friend of mine and he said, 
didn't they have fingerprinting in the 70s? And I was like, yes. And he was like, so they could have found out that Bob Ross was the guy from very early on. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really have <laughs> fingerprinting back then either. But yeah, then that would have been like immediate. They, yeah, you they could just go in and be like, it ain't me. <laughs> exactly. like, Let me see your fingerprints. Boop. Oh no, you're just a you're just you know a mean old man. Like go away. You're not the person. Like they can move on. <laughs> exactly. But now it sounded. It seemed like I was actually expecting Bob, who ends up the killer. Spoiler alert from 50 years ago. But Bob is was like I kind of thought like yeah he works at the market, but I was actually thinking he was more mobsterish. Like he was always talking with like he had the inside scoop on a race. And on that horse race, and then the, the the police would always show up, but they were talking to him. But it was never like you're the guy. He was like, "Hey, how's it going today, Bob?" He's like, "Oh, you know, just doing a normal thing." Like he was almost like there to collect his money to pay off. Yeah, they didn't expound on that, so I'm like, you know, maybe that would because that would have been cool if he's like paying off police officers, and that that's why he could have got away with it more. That would have been cool. I have to say, I the, one of the things they did try to do was make him likable. This is, please don't take this the wrong way. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, my brother's friendly like that. Because you make <laughs> friends with everyone. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, I'll take it. But I mean, I, I don't... I don't I don't own enough ties to murder people, so no one should have to worry. I didn't mean it like that. But you know, he's like when you first meet him, he's laid back, he's chill, he's chummy with the police officer. Dick comes over and he's like, you know, you need do you need money? Have some grapes. He's really yeah. friendly. And obviously that's supposed to be his cover. But I do you think you could be friends with Bob Rusk? Probably, because I mean, like you said, I mean, he was like friendly guy, like he would have been, you know, like, hey, let's go get a drink. Let's go do this. Let's I mean, I, I definitely could see at least he wasn't like, you know, Norman Bates and Alfred Hitchcock and Psycho. He's weird. Yeah, he's odd, you know, the whole time, like where they did make Bob seem a little bit more the everyman, but like a normal person. But then even then, like you see in the matrimony office, she's like, well, my girls don't you're not the type of guy from my girls. Like they're not looking. So she could see beyond. She's met him enough, I guess, where she knows he's a little bit odd, but. So this is something I think the age of the film screws up massively. They can't say in 1970s on screen, they can't say that he wanted women who like to be uh, sadomasochists, S&M. So the thing they're not saying the whole time is we can't have women with your glance, glance, yeah. preferences your peculiarities that's what they meant he came in asking for a woman who oh was S&M. <laughs> so again i completely over my head and probably makes a little bit more sense don't get me wrong i i want to say it here first we are not in any way implying that you will be a serial killer if you are into snm that's just that's what alfred hitchcock was <laughs> trying to do we are not anti anyone's no, happiness no. you do you <laughs> But Alfred Hitchcock obviously thought it was weird, which makes me kind of wonder if he, if you know, that sort of thing of feeling guilty about finding it interesting. And so then he does it on film. So it's like, oh, well, I'm not really like that in prudish 60s Britain, but right. I can do it on film. <laughs> right. Well, let's let's be honest. In, in late 60s, early 70s Britain, or at least London. Wasn't that like the swinging London and like so you had <laughs> okay no yeah. but that but you had the Soho and you had like yeah there was this counterculture to the I, I don't mean it in a negative way for people that are listening but like that stuffy British like you have your your older people that are very stuffy and it's like very you know like had their tea and they do this and then you had like that counterculture just like we did here as well like with the yeah. hippies 
but maybe he was, you know, Hitchcock's got some demons in him, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> wondering about, I'm wondering about his mom. Now I'm wondering about, you know, I think that's a really good point. I, I did not put that together of like, oh, he's, that's his kink. So yeah. Or the character, Bob's character. Yeah. yeah Bob's so, character. Yeah. I just figured like she had met him enough where she's like, yeah, he's weird. Like we're not putting him together. But I actually did laugh really hard at the matrimony scene, the very beginning where Dick comes in and there's this little old man with this woman and they're leaving. And then she's like, well, you know, my old husband had my coffee ready promptly at nine 15 every morning and cleaned the house every day. And he's <laughs> like, Oh, a, a tidy man. She's like, Yep. And then they're going to get married. He's just like, oh, what did I just get myself into? Yeah. <laughs> like, so I la- there were scenes I laughed at, but like I said, not horror, like not, not super scary. And not, there was like, was there any blood at all in that movie? I don't think there was. Yeah. I, even the nope. woman in the bed afterwards, I don't think he's ever, he like cuts any of them or anything like that. Nope. He, she had like bruises where you could see where like the bar hit on her head, but there was no blood or anything. And I, I guess I, so I'm expecting, I'm sitting down, I, I've got my drink and I'm sitting down, I'm watching the movie and I'm like, it's just, there's nothing. There's no blood. A couple butts and a couple, couple nude scenes, because obviously that was, he wants to earn his RX rating, but like, you know, he's uh that movie could have been PG 13. There is one cringe scene for me and it may not do it for you. I have a thing about broken bones and I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I've never broken a bone, which is so weird, okay. but. Uh, when he goes in, when, sorry, when Bob Rust, the killer, goes into the potato truck, he finds the piece of evidence, his tie pin, grasped in this woman's hand. And it's supposedly heavily rigor mortis. He, <laughs> he has to break open her her hand and you hear him snap the finger. Snapping. And yep. that, I have to admit, I went, I, I cringed. <laughs> Did that do anything spooky for you or no? No. And maybe it's because I've seen too much. Maybe I'm just desensitized. I'm like, Okay, her hand is clasped clasped over this pin is what he's trying to get back, right? And he's just like, but it was just the sound. Like, it was just, I, I don't know. Like, it just was like, he's got to open them up. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You know, like, sometimes he's got to get there. So, you know, and, and it might have been, honestly, by that time in the movie, I was like, okay, like, let's let's see where this is going to me. Like, in my head, mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah. It was it was a movie of wrongfully accused guy who, by all accounts, is like every time he could be in the wrong place at the wrong time, he is. Mm-hmm. And he's like a curmudgeon. Like, he's just not a happy guy. So he is like very fiery. So, like, of course, it makes him look to the outsider as it's him the <laughs> whole time. Where then actually it's like the super nice, glad-handing guy who's like, hey, my little birdies told me that this 20 to 1 shot's going to win. And my little birdies are never wrong. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> like and it was like super I don't know, just all over the place, but so it was a frenzy other- of a film. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I did have one other question for you. And I obviously kind of not as cool with this film, but we can go back and do it with other ones. They keep mentioning drinks throughout the film because obviously he's a bartender, but he's has brandies throughout the film, and then there's the margarita scene. You know how they do drinks pairings nowadays with everything? They're like your potato chips go well with this uh-huh. topsy, whatever. What drink would you pair with this film? Or you, we can pick one of the other cool films that we've done recently. Like, what would be the drink? No, we, we could do that. We could do that because I was drinking. I ended up having a beer, an American beer for all the English people, like super light, kind of watery. Miller Lite, I think, is what it was. <laughs> but um, if you were pairing it, I mean, that would have been more of a, um, like a whiskey, bourbon, whiskey. 
Because it's slower. Like I think beer is like more like if I'm watching, you know, like terror fire where it's just going to be blood and guts and everything. It's like, here's a beer. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. But like, that was like trying to tell a story and it was like way more story than the action parts of the the thriller stuff and the killings Mm -hmm. so that's more of like a sipping drink right it's more of a this is going to take me 30 40 minutes to get through that makes sense would you do the same what about you oh so because i like a a good joke i would have given somebody i wouldn't have told them about the film and then given them a margarita so there you go but it kind of works as well because it uh, it's not something you drink super fast or at least i don't drink margaritas super fast I don't drink them as slow as whiskey, but like, but at the same time, it's got lots of the the elements, you know, there's limes and it's a fruit market and you've got the salt on the rim and you've got salty sense of humor. And I don't know, something about it just kind of works for me. This is where you being a writer comes in way more than (laughs) me just being like an idiot who watches movies because I'm like, yeah, I wanted my drinks to last a little longer because it's a long movie. And I'm like, you know, trying to get into it where you're like. Fruit markets. There's vegetable fruit markets in Covent Garden. It's you know tequila, and she offers the tequila or tequila is how she calls it. Yeah, she calls it tequila. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's good. We yeah, that we should definitely do that kind of with more movies because, and I'll actually start thinking about that more and actually make my drinks during the movies, and I'll choose which one I add. Oh, let's do that. I think that's yeah. Retrospectively, because you you got me curious now. Would you do the same thing for Curse of the Demon? Because that's a very story-driven thing. Would you also want like a whiskey? I don't know. You know what? It's funny. And I'm not a huge Scotch fan, but I think Scotch. Like that's just seem a little more sophisticated. Like everyone's in their suits and like because it's you know doctors and stuff. So it's all like mm-hmm. the higher society. Maybe it'd just be like pretending like I'm gonna have a Scotch while I'm watching these people drink a Scotch. So maybe I would do something like that. I totally would do a whiskey for that one. I think you're right. Like a nice scotch whiskey. I yep. This is, this is again, Lauren reads too much into stuff. Uh, I, I, <laughs> scotch whiskey is very peaty, very smoky. And there's something about like the storms and the smokiness in yep. the, yeah, that I think that works. I would like, like whiskey. With but that. see, from hell would 100% be like red wine, like a Merlot or something. Oh, yes. That's brilliant. Because it's Victorian. The red with like the just the like the it just has that like want to sit down with a glass of red wine and just yeah. a bottle of red wine and <laughs> watch <it with> me. <laughs> no, and I I feel like that's also what the killer would have drunk. Ian Holmes' character, the doctor, yeah. would have drunk. I think he would have had like a gorgeous red wine and then go out and kill some people. <laughs> See, that you was know? another thing, you know, with with like from hell. If you wanted to say. And you said Jack the Ripper kind of inspired um, Frenzy. Frenzy. Jack the Ripper didn't know these people. These people did not know Jack the Ripper. Mm. I mean, or, or from all accounts, this was a guy who would come in at night and get ladies of the street. They were used to random individuals coming up to them, giving them money for their accompaniment. Where in this movie, they were kind of all known to him. like Or not known to but like... It was more, I don't know, it just seemed like it was a little different in that sense. Like, it wasn't just randomly picking up people in the middle of, at night. You're right, because we obviously we don't know about the the first victim. The first one, uh, yeah. But you're right, he knows the wife because it's uh, he went to the, the matrimony agency as Mr. Robinson. Uh, right. And then he knows Babs because he's good friends with her boyfriend, with, with Dick. I wonder, though, now that I'm thinking about this, and tell me if you think I'm totally off base here, that he he used to just kill like random women, go on a date, and then date goes wrong. But then 
the cop, everyone starts getting interested. The cops get interested and Dick gets in this situation where he's like, whatever. And Bob is the one who says, you know, you should go to your wife. Isn't she loaded? Maybe he like, he, he goes, ah, I can frame Bob. And he like leans. Probably so. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I can he, frame Dick. Yeah. And he did frame. I mean, cause he even invited him to come back to his, you know, come back to his apartment and stay there and then goes and tells the cops he's in my apartment. Yeah. But no, he's so, yeah, maybe he was like, this is my way out of this. Because you're right, where it starts, we don't know how many murders. It obviously was going on a long time, enough that he was the necktie killer when the woman in the river shows up. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't his first one. Right. You know, so, and this maybe was his way of like, oh, I can just do this and then I'm scot-free for a while and then I'll just have to like kill him some other way. You see, there maybe. you go. Talking with you has brought out this whole separate layer of potentially there's more to this film than I thought. That's not to say that you should be feel like you have to watch it now, but just <laughs> like it's it's good. Talking to you makes it a better movie. Is that weird? Should we should we be like, no, this is terrible. Don't don't go see it. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily to, like I said, to my friends. Um, if someone was like, hey, would you would you watch this movie? I'd probably be like. No, I mean, I I now own it because I, I just ended up purchasing it on Prime, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'll probably not watch again. No, and and it you know you get those. Those not every movie is going to blow you out of the water. So, but I think talking with you definitely made me think of things that I would not have thought about. What I need to do then is we need to watch one together. We need yeah. to get like one of those watch party things on Prime or whatever, where like you can watch them at the same time and like. That might have made me enjoy the movie more. Like, oh, how did you miss that? He was, you know, like the river was dirty and or clean, and then the body shows up, and I'm like, okay, I get the joke there. I get the end of the joke there. But that was, you know, 14 hours ago. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> seriously, we should. We need to figure out how to do it because obviously, a little bit hard to do with the time difference, but we can make it. Yep. I think it'll be good. I just stay. I'll just stay up overnight one night. That would be. We could do that. So, <laughs> but no, that would be. You know, we we definitely. I think if we're gonna do another, the next movie we do, not if, but when we do another movie, I think we need to blow it out of the water on the horror side. Yes, I have some thoughts. So I I like the idea because we've done a bunch in the past now of doing one that's yep. a little bit more contemporary. And Cockneys versus Zombies has a lot of great kills. It's really funny. I know you've seen it before, but we can like we can rewatch. And I will 100% rewatch Cocking versus Zombies. Awesome film, right? And I think there's Love a it. lot of cool deaths in there as well as the humor. All right, so next episode you've picked Cockney versus Zombies. It'll I'm excited great. about this one. I'm ready to get back in the saddle of enjoying the movie that I am watching thoroughly. It's, it's <laughs> dumb enough for me to understand it. I, there's no hidden hidden messages or scenes in there. It's just <laughs> this person's dead, you kill him and make it look interesting and then we'll laugh about it. I'm awesome. in. Awesome. And and let's have a think about what we want what we want to drink with it. I like this question. I want to keep the okay. question up. Awesome. I'll have to come up with something really good. I'm gonna have to I'll text you. We'll have to we'll, we won't tell you, audience, but we will surprise you with our <laughs> yes, drink. Yes. Time to head to the liquor store and see what's out there. That could be interesting to pair with zombie killing cockneys. <laughs> It's going to be awesome. I'm going to do far too much academic research and find out if there's a Cockney drink. That's going to be my nerd moment. It'll be great. Uh, <laughs> see, I was just going to get my Cockney to English dictionary out and do some rhyming slang in the middle of the pod. Ah, amazing. My <laughs> apples and Apples and stairs. Is that Wait, no, apples and pears means apples stairs. Apples and pears. <laughs> <laughs> I got to freshen up on it. That's all. I got to freshen up on it. It's like if you put me in the middle of France. 
I might know a few words. That's how it is with Cockney. I know that there was rhyming things that meant stairs. I just thought it was apples and stairs means pears, but it was this opposite. There's a, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure half of it you could like make up. And if you can explain it, it's fine. Like you could to, to a normal person, not to a Cockney, but like to me, you'd be able to be like, oh, the trees and bees means please. I'm sorry that all rhymed, but <laughs> whatever. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Well, I, I will just say I have a Cockney to English dictionary, uh, thankfully from you from a Christmas a few years yeah. ago. So I will break that out and I will maybe uh, throw in some, some Cockney. Some talking ah. rhyming slang in the next pod. Awesome. Things to look forward to. Thank you guys so much for listening. We've had a lot of fun, but even though it wasn't necessarily Always. a top movie, <laughs> always good to talk to you, Chris. Thank you so much for being on again. Oh, love it. Always. And thank you all for listening. We will hear from you next month and we'll be watching Cockneys versus Zombies. If you want to share your thoughts about this episode, please head to our Facebook or YouTube pages. We're grateful to Kukurbit, who made our music. Thank you for listening, and please join us next time for the London Horror Movie Club.